and welcome to The Logistics Tribe. I'm Boris Felgendreyer, founder of The Logistics Tribe, and today I'm talking to Marco Prügelmeier, my buddy and partner in crime here at The Logistics Tribe. At the beginning of the show, I'm giving a bit of an update on The Logistics Tribe. We have published over 25 episodes so far, and the feedback we've gotten from you, the audience, is super, super positive, which is very exciting, makes us very happy to know that you find our content valuable, and the listener counts and download numbers speak for themselves. We are literally heard all around the world, and I'll dive into all of that in the beginning of this episode. But I also talked to Marco about the startup that he launched and got VC funding for this year, and a book he published on the topic of innovations in logistics. So a wide-ranging episode this time. But before I forget, this week I recorded an episode with Akash Gupta. Akash is the co-founder and CTO of Grey Orange. And as you may know, Grey Orange is an official partner of the Logistics Tribe. And the episode I recorded will be published on another successful podcast that I host and produce for the German Logistics Association, BVL. And most episodes on that show are in German, but on occasion we have international English-speaking guests like Akash on. So, if you're interested, head on over to the BVL Digital Podcast and subscribe so you don't miss when the episode with Akash drops there in a couple of weeks. Super exciting conversation. Akash actually grew up in rural India and built a global player in AI-enabled warehouse robotics and automation in just 10 years. And that's a story that you don't want to miss. I'll leave a link to the BVL Digital Podcast in the show notes. But now, without further ado, here comes Marco Brüggemeier. Hello, Marco. Welcome to the Logistics Tribe. Thanks for being on the program, man. Hi, Boris. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me this time. <laughs> yeah. How does it feel to be on that side of the microphone again for a change? Oh, actually, it's very comfortable because I don't have to care about the questions. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the one getting asked the questions, and uh, so. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah, sometimes I wonder what's easier, to be the interviewer <laughs> or the interviewee. It depends on your perspective. Yeah, I can tell you afterwards. And you have no ideas what kind of trick questions and difficult questions I'm going to ask you. So you've, you're feeling all comfortable now, but wait until this is over. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm going I'm to launch you a bunch of softballs today and then we'll go from there. <laughs> No, but it's great to have you on again. This is actually episode number 25. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's uh, time is passing by. You you actually hosted and recorded one, like eight or nine of those. So you've, you've done your share of work. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I have to say. Um, I really enjoyed this project. Even though it is a lot of work, we're, we're sharing the burden, but it's still quite a little bit of work, which is also probably the reason why you see a lot of um, new podcasts pop up everywhere also in our space, but few actually have the stamina to go the long way. I actually came across some interesting stats the other day on just podcasts in general. I mean, it was basically an explosion of new podcast formats and episodes, you know, especially during, during COVID. Mm -hmm. But I learned that 90% of new podcasts never make it past episode three. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's not much. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> and, out of, and out of those 10% that survive past three, only 1% make it past 20 episodes. Okay, but I, so, I think we have a, a big advantage, Boris. Do you know what? What is it? We both like to talk to interesting people. And uh, that's something True. what we kind of naturally like to do. And uh, now we are just recording our talks or our interviews. Yeah, that's and, true. And Very we, true. we try to let the, the logistics tribe also yeah, benefit from that. And I think that's a, a very good concept. Yeah. And actually, I have to admit that the, the actual conversations, the interviews or the conversations, they don't feel like work. No. They feel like yeah, play. Same for me. What's, what's the work is afterwards, you know, all this editing, which I still do myself to this day. So I am getting a little bit of tired uh, Of that stuff because I also, as you know, I do the podcast for the German Logistics Association where we just recently passed over 100 episodes 
and for the in the last two years or so, that's also quite a it's become quite a beast. So that's a also very 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 successful format. And it would also obviously be painful if this wasn't successful. So we can look back at those 24 episodes and say, that's really working. I mean, I you oftentimes see my, my posts on LinkedIn mm. when, I, when I chuckle, when I look at where we're trending in the charts around the world. It's so <laughs> incredible to see how, how, how far our reach is. We've actually, I just pulled the numbers just bef before this episode. We have now been listened to in 99 different countries around the no world. No way. <laughs> yeah, 99. So we're about to, maybe with this one, we're crossing the, the, the 100th the country. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, there's a long tail. I mean, the um, there's a lot of listeners from Germany, and that's normal because we're German. We have a lot of network here. A lot of guests have been from Germany. But it's actually more guests from outside of Germany than from inside of Germany. And the largest international or global audience is from the US. And then there's this long tail of you know, 90, 97 other countries, mm -hmm. including you know, one person from Nepal yeah. and one person from Malta. Those are actual numbers, which is crazy. But, uh, but I really like that because I remember that was one of our intentions that we actually do it in English, even though we are both Germans. Uh, but to do this, because there are a lot of people interested in logistics out there in, in countries where they even might not speak uh, fluent English, yeah, but they're still yeah. interested in logistics, and and I was so happy when you shared one of your posts where we were, I don't know, number two or so in in Jamaica, right? <laughs> two in Jamaica, yeah, that's a that's a win. Yeah. We scored that one as a win, which you could argue. Oh, I mean, how big is Jamaica? And of course, we so I I pulled a couple numbers. So we number. We were number five in Tanzania mm. in the Apple in the Apple charts. This is so so again. Just to be sure, we're not talking about the Apple charts in general. We're talking about management, which is a sub category under business. So there's mm. it's all podcasts, and then there's business, and under business there's no logistics or supply chain. You have to go categorize yourself as management. That's the only thing that makes sense. And in that category, we were number five in Tanzania, number two in Jamaica, eleven in Denmark, nine in Austria. And then number 17 in India, right? So you could argue, well, Jamaica is, is, is a tiny market, so what? But, you know, trending in, in India, uh, number 17, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, so, so, yeah, so good, uh, good stuff. Uh, let's uh, uh, have some greetings to all the guys listening there in, in all the countries of the world. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the one thing, the one thing I wish we had more, but that's a typical thing of podcasts in general, is that you're lacking that immediate feedback. So you don't see the audience. Oftentimes, I pull the numbers a couple of months later, or whatever, and I say, "Oh, interesting. There's people from Malta," um, but you don't, you know, you're missing that immediate feedback. Which you, so I wish there was more interaction. Yeah, maybe, maybe so everybody's we... listening to this. You know, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn, which is the platform we typically use. So. So connect with us mm -hmm. there. If you're a listener, ping us, connect with us, let us know how it's going. I mean, the anecdotal feedback that I've received so far is super, super positive. Everywhere I look and hear and listen to, everybody is encouraging and saying, well, this is great, great, great stuff. Keep it up and keep going. So yeah, we'll we'll take that. Also, I mean, room for improvement always. If you have suggestions for what's working, what's not working, what we should do more of, less of, let, let us know. You know, Both our LinkedIn profiles are typically in the show notes. So just click on that, connect. Tell us you're a listener and we'll, we'll accept and we'll gladly, you know, connect with you. So, yeah, in, in terms of the most popular episode, take a guess. What do you, what do you think is the most popular episode so far that we've, that we've broadcast? I just was uh, so surprised, very surprised that it seems to be that my most popular episode was on MQTT, 
right? What, that's that right. right? Uh, that is right. I mean, that's that's yes. just incredible because um, it's it's such a niche topic, yeah. But that seems um, mm -hmm. to interest a lot of people, yeah. And um, so yeah, I was surprised. Remember when we first talked about? It, you said, yeah, I'm going to talk about MQTT. I was like. Are you sure? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. That's you know, I'm not even that deep into it. But I learned a lot from it just listening to it. Now I, I'm the expert on QTT. No, I'm not. But yeah, uh, yeah. That that was a surprise to me as well. But there's obviously a, a large but, niche. But did you know that actually most of the cars in the future uh, will be connected with M via MQTT? Uh, I know so, now because I listened to yeah, the episodes. So, right? Of course. So I know uh, we probably <laughs> will have to do with MQTT. Even if we don't know what it is, yeah. So, yeah, everybody it will play, know about play it. a role in our world and also in logistics. Yeah, and then you know, so but the, overall, the most popular episode was the one on the global ocean freight crisis. We did two, but the one, the most recent one, that was called the ultimate analysis of the global ocean freight crisis with Jochen Gutschmidt mm -hmm. from Sea Intelligence, who spent you know several decades at Maersk and then at Nestle, and now is working in a boutique consulting C on that topic, and it's just all over the place, right? It's in, in all the new cycles. It's everywhere. So people are naturally drawn to that topic and having an expert like Jochen on to deep dive on that topic was just awesome. And that's, I mean, a chosen number. It's, 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 it's still running. I mean, th that's the other thing I see is that even the episodes we recorded in January, February, they still get play. So it's, this is evergreen content. It's just going to build and build and build. So anyways, enough about that. So enough celebration. We are off to a good start. And of course, in, in, my last thing I say about it is that, as you know, we've recently had um, Gray Orange become an official partner, sponsor of the of the show. So that's exciting. That's a, exciting that's a great, news. Yeah, that's a great validation and um, sort of stamp of approval. I think that's uh, that's awesome. I, I love I love the team. I mean, I know a few folks that joined the MIA organization. They're up to something big here. Automation in e-commerce warehouses and retailers warehouses is all over the place right now. The, the 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 demand is going through the roof, and they're going full force into Europe and all all this stuff. This is awesome. The so that great partnership. That means yeah. that we have to do more robotics episodes. <laughs> you want to do more robotics? I know that's your that's your that's your cup of tea. Well, that's maybe it's a great transition into what I want to talk to you about first, which is you know after you left BMW, where you were for what for twenty years? Twenty two, like actually, yeah. <laughs> twenty twenty two years at BMW. You left BMW and then went to this sort of weird stealth mode. We were sort of cryptic. I, I didn't even know no, what actually, you were. Actually, I right away went to the logistics tribe. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. That's right. Yeah. You that's gave a, me a, what a career you gave move. Me a, what a career a new move. Home, yeah. Boris. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you went to this sort of semi stealth mode and I was like, what else is he doing up to? And then. Obviously, he, you came out and, and announced a few months back that you have a major funding for your new startup. So tell us about what you're doing, why you're a, a late bloomer startup founder, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, the, the first step um, after the logistics drive, of course, was uh, to, <laughs> to found a, a consultancy company on uh, what else than logistics and innovations in logistics, which is kind of my topic. And mm -hmm. um, I still do this, um, so um, th it's still a part uh, uh, of my daily work, the, the consulting business. Um, but it's getting less and less because there was one project actually that really uh, took off like a, a rocket ship, uh, you could say. And uh, mm -hmm. this was Noise Technologies. And what we are doing is um, we are actually building small, tiny robotized warehouses. Uh, that you can actually fit in 
every store uh, uh, in a town or in, in, in every corner. Yeah. And um, we actually uh, want to proceed to, to be a real uh, nano-fulfillment company. So uh, not only mm -hmm. the storage system, but also uh, the picking of items and goods. And as you are already really close to the customer in, in uh, urban settings, yeah, the customers are right around. So it's, it's, it has nothing to do with the no normal logistics that you might know from the 10 meter high warehouses and so on. So it's really yep. custom, customized for the urban need. And as the customers are already uh, nearby, then the next step would definitely be also integrating uh, delivery robots. So um, wow. it's something mm -hmm. that, that starts with a robotized warehouse system, but there is a lot more to come on that side. And uh, that's something that is really uh, making it very interesting also for investors. And uh, that's why we got uh, yeah. funding around uh, right away. Yeah, awesome. So you're, you're basically jumping on to that new trend or that new emerging business field of ultra fast delivery in Q-commerce. So, so you your technology would basically operate like a dark store, a warehouse in an urban environment that someone like a Gorillas or like a Getir or a Flink would use, right? So yeah, that's, to, to, that's to, correct. So, mm -hmm. so typically what they have now, they just rent a space and they put shelves up and people are roaming mm -hmm. around and just picking by mm -hmm. hand, right? And you're saying something like that in the future will be totally automated with no people running around. It's all robot. It's all automated. Is that what I'm, what I'm yes, hearing? Yes, and hopefully in the near future. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, that's totally correct. Uh, but the thing is that we are not, with the, with the warehousing uh, a solution alone, we, are not, we don't only fit into the Q-commerce uh, space. We uh, also can imagine to use this in totally other Uh, verticals like like the postal office, uh, the, the postal uh, uh, packages and so on, and also the, the industrial use cases yeah, for small storage areas where the main part is actually on density. Yeah? That's that's the big thing. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. So are you are you using off the shelf technology for this, or are you are you building proprietary hardware and software to build this, or how do you go about this? Uh, it depends in in um, in some areas we are using just off the shelf and we are also uh, working together with other companies um, mm -hmm. that we cannot uh, announce right away uh, at this point but uh, we don't mm -hmm. do everything by ourselves uh, but the core mm -hmm. the, the robotized warehousing solution uh, that is really designed and Uh, uh, built by us. Yeah, and are you ready to to deliver now? I mean, if I want to order this tomorrow from my dock store here around the corner, or are you still in development mode, or where where are you? Because I mean, if you just founded this earlier yeah, this year, yeah. then it's early <laughs> so early, early we're, stage. We're not right? that fast, yeah? so it's not built yet. <laughs> we have some prototypes mm -hmm. right now in our office here in Munich, um, and uh, we ha we are developing this together with two customers that we have already. And mm -hmm. um, and we uh, hope to open uh, the first uh, real demo store. Let's let's say uh, uh, by next year. Fantastic! How many people are you right now? I mean, you had to build up a, a team pretty quickly, yeah, right? So fa fast hiring mode. Twenty six right now. So uh, the twenty six went. And you were zero at the beginning of the year, right? I mean, how? Yeah, well, two two oh. of us. Yeah, so two. Yeah, two founders Aaron, and twenty six. Aaron, my co-founder, yeah. and I. Yeah, and uh, and then we ramped it up 
step by step. Yeah. Are there any players out there that are doing something similar? What's the competitive landscape look like? If you look, if, not just in Germany, but uh, across the world, who else is, is out there trying to do something similar? Well, it, uh, actually, not that many, if you take a closer look, uh, because we are really going for the nano-fulfillment space. Yeah, And for most of mm -hmm. the traditional companies, let's say, like, like Auto Store or thematic or whatever mm. they are coming from the the bigger warehouses and they are now trying to shrink down their systems uh, to smaller sites and but mm -hmm. this actually in my point of view makes only sense to a certain extent uh, just technology wise and we are coming from the from the other book end and we are building something really Uh, uh, dedicated to the small areas and for us it starts with basically i don't know 20 square meters or even 10 square meters you could start wow and then you could add modules and you could go up to several hundred square meters probably but that that is really our sweet spot yeah so the the um i don't know 100 to 200 square meters yeah and uh, most of the so-called micro-fulfillment sites, they really start at 2,000 square meters or um, or yeah. above 900 so square meters. So, But that's not really yeah. our sweet spot. And right now, currently in these warehouses that I've, of these companies I referred to earlier, the Gettier and the Gorillas, right now, it's is it is there any automation going on? Or is this ma is it all 100% manual stuff? Uh, Even at places like GoPath, who've been around for a while, are they? How, how do they? How do they? Uh, well, right now they're, they're, they're small warehouses. It's more uh, if you're taking a look in, into e-commerce. Uh, there you would see uh, automation, of course, like uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, one of the, the bigger companies, also Ocado in uh, in the UK. Um, they are going for automation, but not really the Q-commerce sites because they are actually right now they are too small to really for automation yeah? so you need you need a different mm -hmm. technology there uh, to make it really uh, happen yeah and how, how similar or how different is this from what you've been doing for 22 years at, at BMW I mean there obviously you have a lot more space mm -hmm. much more space different vehicles how like what can you take away what can you learn what, what are you bringing to the picture that that you can apply here or is this like a totally different animal basically Uh, it's different, uh, but also there are some some uh, uh, points in common here. Of course, we tested a lot of uh, different startups, a lot of different uh, logistic solutions, especially especially the, the innovative stuff. Yeah, we tested that in in my innovation lab at BMW. So um, basically, I knew all the, the existing solutions and existing technologies, and uh, that's what also my book is about. Uh, so, so all the technologies uh, aspects on that. Uh, besides that, we uh, actually built our own hardware, our own systems, our own robots. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and actually, BMW is now uh, continuing in, in that part. Uh, and um, since beginning of or, or the end of last year, BMW is not only selling cars and motorcycles, uh, but also AMRs, so autonomous mobile robots, um, under the brand yeah. of IdealWorks. Uh, so yes. um, where I had a, a, a good knowledge is how, how do you build such a, a robot in different steps? 
and um, what is the way to do it and which people do you need for, to do that yeah so um, obviously i'm not building it myself so the, there are some experts doing that but putting all the pieces together that's that's something that i definitely learned uh, at beam back at bmw and i'm very thankful for that and um, that's actually something that i i can also apply right now in the company but from the technology side, actually, what we are doing now is quite simpler than what we did back at BMW, yeah, which is a lot more complicated. Built an AMR that really has a, a vision per perception uh, of its surroundings, and and now we are really yeah building quite comparable easy robots. Yeah, I mean, I mean take me one level deeper into. I, I want to envision how this very sort of very small nano nano fulfillment center looks like it so this is a room i walk can i walk into the room or yeah, is it sure. like a completely no, no. is it like more like it's a actually designed for rooms with a room height of uh, uh three meters height or so so you can put it in a normal store uh yeah, that, that you would have and yeah. find in, in any city and from the outside it looks like a locker system sort of like uh or is it open shelves or is it closed or no it, look it like? looks like a locker system or, or like a modularized uh -huh. uh, like like lego bricks a little bit bigger of course yeah? big it. lego uh -huh. bricks that you put on top of each other and uh of course i cannot tell about the, the ingredients and and what is going on sure, inside sure, yeah. there uh, but it's very modularized. Uh, that's also something which I probably learned at BMW. Yeah, in the automotive industry, we always were thinking about platforms and and modularization and uh, um, scalability. Yeah, that that's that's key there, and that's something that uh, we definitely built in from right from the beginning. Yeah, but but maybe the difference here is once you've built a production plant at BMW, it's going to stay there for a long time, whereas a dark store for a quick commerce company may go away very quickly or may need that flexibility. So are you also thinking about that being able to scale up and ramp down quickly? Yes. Oh, okay, so how quickly can I get this up and running and how, how long does it take to wrap it up and bring it, bring it a couple of blocks down the, down the road? It's probably a day. Okay, all right. Why are you being so secret? Yeah, you, you're just throwing out a couple of maybe. Maybe that's your strategy. You're making it more more appealing by being being very close-lipped on it. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of my my industrial background. You know, we we always uh, were yeah. building the stuff before, and then we were talking about it. Uh, but uh, now in the startup world, uh, the thinking is a little bit different. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah. And that's where, where I'm also really learning a lot right now. Yeah. Where do you see yourself or you, where do you see the company in five years from now? Uh, World domination? If, if you ask me uh, like that on the New York Stock Exchange, of course. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> because right. we want to be uh, very bold with this. Uh, so it's nothing that we, we do on a small scale. We do it either on a really big scale or we um, we don't do it at all. So you're going all yeah. in and, and, and see what happens. Yeah. 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 I think that's that's how you have to do it in, in that kind of industry. It's uh, too fast pacing that you uh, can do it alone or um, in, a, in a small kind of uh, startup. Uh, I think you have to go all in. A lot of success probably also hinges on this whole model of quick commerce really catching on. I mean, it's a new concept. It's only been around. Let's look at gorillas. I mean, they, they weren't around two years ago before the COVID crisis that company didn't mm. exist. It came out of nowhere. It, it quickly made it to the top of the hype cycle. And um, tell me about how you're thinking about this whole space. Are, are we are we going to see 
a boom and bust and cycle? Is it sort of a, a hype cycle that's going to fall back or is it going to just continue on from here? Is it just the, the first stages and there's a lot more to come? Talk to me about how you how you mm -hmm. see this whole space of Qcommerce evolve if it is such a big part of your, your strategy, so to speak. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a, a big topic to, to talk about. We can do a whole yeah. episode on that. Uh, but uh -huh. uh, to, to answer it short, I think it's, it's going to stay. It's not going away anymore. And there are other markets where you can see that already, like in, in Russia, in the cities and so on. Nobody is going under uh, or above the two-hour delivery time anymore. Uh, so that's not accepted mm -hmm. anymore from, from people there. Uh, and I think that's definitely going to stay. Um, I'm not sure personally uh, if it has to be five or ten minutes. Uh, that's probably something very good to, to enter the market and, and to, to get the consumers to, to change. Um, but I think uh, if you're talking about, I don't know, half an hour to two hours, that will be our yeah, convenient uh, delivery cycle in the future in the cities. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, that's something that I think is not going away anymore. And that's why we have to rethink the logistics solutions to, to fit that in the future. And of course, one part is automation because... Um, Nobody actually, and I know this pretty well from all the logistics operations in in the automotive industry. And of course, there also is a similarity because we also had supermarkets there. Uh, it was not with apples and bananas. It was more with mirror caps and door handles in different colors and so on. Um, mm -hmm. But still, it's the same operations. And it's very hard to, to really uh, get the costs down because it's a very manual process. Yeah? And unless you're not uh, using robots for that, you, you get stuck with the high cost. And, and that's something the, um, uh, the consumers will not uh, agree to. So you want to have it in half an hour, but you don't want to pay a lot more cost. Yeah? So that's basically how everybody will see it in the future. And to think this to an end, you probably have to lose a lot more automation than uh, we have nowadays. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier that you're also thinking about combining this automated nano-fulfillment center with an autonomous delivery bot, right? So right. in other words, you're you're envisioning a, a time when this entire process for me ordering something ad hoc mm -hmm to it being fulfilled in a non-fulfillment center, to it being delivered to my doorstep, not being touched by any humans, I would assume, right? That there's going to be a time mm -hmm. where this is fully automated, where no no human touches, yes, and touches my wares. Mm -hmm. And I would be even a little bit more bold. I think this time is really um, getting close now, yeah, because um, mm -hmm. it will not take, I don't know, five to 10 years, I guess. I think it will... Uh, get through the next uh, uh, two, three, four years um, that we will see delivery bots on our streets. And I'm really talking on our streets here in, in Hamburg, where you live, and in Munich, where I live. But you're, you're talking first, first, the, the first sort of regular use of yeah. those as opposed to it being f the normal, the normal no, affairs. No, the you're talking about where we see the first, yeah, the okay, first the two first, years where we see yeah. the first, the first robot yeah, sort of but delivering then stuff. Actually, I did the calculation for that because uh, it, today it's, it's uh, uh, bicycle drivers, yeah, uh, and they are doing three 
in a maximum three or four deliveries uh, at maximum uh, in an hour. Um, and with our high wages, at least in Germany uh, and, and in other high wage countries, this is not really feasible. Uh, it's not really a sustainable uh, process. Yeah? You um, you have to do the optimization. And, and I think actually it, it's very profitable to do that and to go into this direction. Today, we, we still don't have the regulation side. Um, but actually, we did. Uh, I did an episode in the logistics tribe with uh, Bern Grosch on that topic. Yeah, and he's yeah. already working in um, in the US uh, with uh, uh, cities like London and Pittsburgh and so on uh, on the regulation side um, in in a, an ISO standard. Uh, so uh, that's something that is that is coming next year. Um, so uh, and if we have the standardization side. The technology should be ready. Yeah, but uh, how long is it going to be until you can, you can fulfill an order with a, with a robot that's roaming, that's rolling on the street, at the same speed that it would take a human with a bike, right? There's, I think there's yeah. a lot of things still to figure mm -hmm. out, because we don't want to these things to go like tw 20 kilometers an hour on our <laughs> sidewalks or on the streets and. That's going to be craziness. Yeah, first of all, um, there will be different types of, of delivery vehicles in my point of view. So there will be some that, that uh, are not carry, carrying only one load, uh, but multiple uh, uh, baskets. Um, and there will be uh, smaller ones uh, that will be only responsible for one basket to one customer. So a point-to-point -point relation. And I think there it's not about the final speed, so the, the, the maximum speed. Max speed is not crucial. Uh, it it sh should be around, I don't know, six kilometers per hour or so in the maximum, mm -hmm. but that's totally enough. That's something that we actually also encountered in our um, in, in the automotive world, that everybody uh, um, was talking about, yeah, the speed is not enough of the robots and so on. But if the speed is reaching a certain level and is decent enough, then uh, it's more the continuity uh, of the robot yeah? and the robot not needing any break times or so. Yeah? Uh, it's just doing the work and it's, it's doing it very continuously and, and slow and that's enough. Uh, at least in my calculation. <laughs> at least in your calculation, yeah. Yeah, and I can really recommend the, the episode you recorded with Bernd Grosch, who's like this this expert on this, this, this whole, especially around the all the regulations and sort of permits and, and what has to happen with in, in conjunction with cities to, to make this a reality. So that was a good episode, yeah. And then Marco, you also, I have here on my on my desk, the signed copy of the of the book that you published. So this is going to be a collector's item because it came with a personal note from you, <laughs> of course. So mine's called Innovation in a Logistic. I, I believe there's now an English version of uh, of the book out. What's it called? Is it Innovations in Logistics? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> so <laughs> Here we go. not much change on that side. Yeah. So you're also on top of the logistics tribe and founding a startup ad hoc quickly from zero to 26 people with funding this year you also published a book what what else are you what are you not what are you not doing well we had we had a <laughs> lockdown remember so we had a lot of time oh yeah lots yeah? of time on your hand yeah no and that's actually where where i i got to write the book and and find the time to to write the book 
Now it now it would be much more difficult for me. Yeah, no kidding. What made you want to write the book? I mean, was that something on your bucket list? You always wanted to publish a book. And you wanted to get all your ideas done on paper, or what? How did that come about? No, it was actually more the experience and the knowledge that I um, collected during my work at uh, at BMW that we are really on a point where logistics is dramatically changing. Huh? Mm -hmm. um, yep. with all the robots AMR is coming uh, getting cheaper and cheaper and and um, all all the other technologies that I describe also in the book and uh, what I got really worried about is um, once the technology is really ready and, and ready to apply and you can buy it off the shelf right? which is starting right now I mean I just told you the um, about ideal works um, and, and BMW selling AMRs. And once the technology is ready, uh, it goes very quick yeah? and the scalability is very quick and very fast. And then we ha really have to think about what are we doing with the people that are doing the jobs right now. And um, yeah. I think there we did a really, really good job at BMW because we were very uh, forward thinking And we were taking into account that we, we followed a very, uh, um, yeah, a, a very good concept in introducing the new technologies without ending up at some point and just uh, uh, seeing that we now have too many forklift drivers uh, on the shop floor and we don't need them right. anymore. Huh? And yeah. I was thinking about okay, what what can I do to to yeah bring my part uh, to that and and uh, to 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 avoid that situation in the future, which would not be actually great for the company. It would not be great for the people itself, for the former forklift drivers, and it would not be good for us as in Germany as an economy yeah? and and for all logistics. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to prevent. Mm, and I thought okay, the simplest way to start even with the uh, uh, prevention would be information. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. why, why I wrote this book. And I wrote it in that way. I did not write it alone, I have to say. I, I had a co-author, which is Alex Pinker. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a great guy coming from the journalism part and also, or journalism background, and also uh, he's an uh, innovation profiler. So he knew what the technologies are all about and he knew what I'm talking about um, but mm -hmm. he did not know the logistics space so and we right. both uh, uh, fitted very well together yeah and it, it uh, I have to say it really became a, a friendship with with Alex because uh, it was my first book uh, that I wrote and uh, of course he was much more experienced on that side And he had to always trigger me a little bit and then follow on. And yeah, did you did you write the chapter now? <laughs> Stop recording all those podcasts. Get back to your to yeah, writing right. the book. That's right. <laughs> and then you on the other line calling with the podcast. Yeah. That's right. No, and, and uh, I think that was a very good fit. And we designed the book actually in that way that it's not only for the, the management or for the logistics leaders and the CEOs of the production plants. It's actually for everybody. Of course, it's for the CEOs and the, the decision takers, but it's also for the forklift drivers. And they can take a look into the, uh, the book. It's uh, easy 
uh, uh, to read. It it really has everything to know what uh, will tackle us in the future in, in logistics. And it basically follows three, three parts. So the one is, as I said, describing the, the, the base base of the innovation that is uh, taking place. This was uh, mm -hmm. mostly uh, Alex part. Uh, then the second part, how does this shape the future of the logistics, which was my part. And then the third one is how to get there. Uh, so what are the right. steps to, to get there uh, and not to end up in a, in a catastrophe uh, where you uh, got all the robots ready to to uh, to buy and you got all the people still on your payroll and don't know what to do. Um, so that's what we wanted to prevent. And there are some side anecdotes also, so like like interesting anecdotes uh, to make it a little bit more readable and interesting also for people. Yeah, it is quite readable. It's got a lot of pictures, a lot of illustrations. That's mm -hmm. that's helpful. So it's a, it does come across a little bit like a textbook, like so, like a like something you would you would use to learn yeah. something. But it's it's not as dry. I mean, it's 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 written in a very accessible way. That's at least how how I mm -hmm. saw it. And what I liked, I mean, I, I, I started reading about it. I didn't read it cover to cover, but that's not the point of, I mean, that's not how it's supposed to be mm -hmm. read, but it's supposed to be, you can dive in and out, right? So you don't have to sit right. down in, in one yeah. session and read the whole thing, but it's 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 meant to for you to peruse and, and pick topics right. depending on need. So, I mean, I, I actually used it a couple of times to just refer back in preparation for conversations I had mm -hmm. or episodes I sort of went in and looked at certain the, the way certain topics were covered yeah. and you know that, that's so, so t tell us about the technologies for example the technology section what's um what are the most relevant technologies mm -hmm. and how are they presented in the book okay the, the most basic uh, uh technologies are actually those that we know from other industries yeah so it's ai artificial intelligence of course it's Uh, AR, so augmented reality, and VR, virtual reality, and robotics in general. Um, that's that's the, the one part of the more the basic part. But then it goes a little bit deeper, and it, it talks about uh, technologies like LiDAR. Yeah? So um, you need that, uh, you need a LiDAR sensor for, for every AMR and every decent robot probably. Um, and uh, it's called light detection and uh, ranging. And it was actually uh, very interesting. It, it's a very old technology. It was already used on the moon. So the, the Apollo missions actually used the LiDAR technology to measure the mm -hmm. distances and, and the, the mountains on the moon and so on. Mm, and this is basically now the, the, the core technology to do all the safety in a robot and in especially in moving robots uh, and AMRs. So it also de describes something like that or uh, also another, it's basically an algorithm, it's called SLAM. Um, so it's sim simultaneous localization and mapping, uh, which is basic. Which is a topic that you are going to do an, a podcast episode yes, on. Yes, right? we I'm talked I'm about that. Yeah. to do that with a, with a German professor on that, on that topic. We are already in contact. Yep. Uh, and I think wh why I'm doing that, I mean, it's a, a crazy topic slam and, and, and it's a, an algorithm that is basically uh, out of the LiDAR signals, uh, actually. So uh, good that we explained the LiDAR before. Um, it takes out the information and calculates back where is the robot in this moment. Uh, so it's doing the mapping of the surrounding and localization of itself. 
And uh, that's also a core technology. It's in every moving robot nowadays, even if in your uh, uh, vacuum cleaner robot. Yeah. So, so that's something that people should be aware of. Yeah? At least have read a little bit about it. And, and that was my intention. Also, uh, camera systems, very important, uh, um, like mm -hmm. um, different types of uh, DAF cameras, like a time of flight camera, which is very close to the LiDAR, uh, or a stereo camera where you have two cameras, basically, and the algorithms are calculating the depth information of the, in, in the picture. Um, so that's another technology. Uh, all kinds of uh, ident technologies, so barcode, uh, QR codes, RFIDs, and so on. Of course, that's all yeah. already very... Uh, entangled with logistics since the beginning. Uh, a nice uh, anecdote on that is: uh, Do you know where uh, the when and where the first barcode scan took place? Probably on the moon, <laughs> just like the lidar. No, this one was not on the moon. It was in Troy, Ohio, yeah, in a supermarket there okay. in 1974. And guess what they scanned? The first item ever that got scanned. You tell me. It's a it's an interesting qu trivia question. Yeah. I should know if I ever if I participate in Jeopardy. Yeah, maybe it's that's a, right. You would what is never it? what's the item? It chewing gum. Yeah, it's a chewing gum. No. Yeah. yeah oh. It is. Wow. Look it at me. Was a Wrigley. I had no idea. This was a totally random a guess. A pack of Wrigley spamming gum. Yeah. So um, <laughs> th those are the nice side anecdotes that I was talking about. Uh, something like that. That. I don't know. I think I found it very interesting. This was kind of my daily or nightly joy when I was writing the book, finding those those nice and little nuggets of, nuggets, of yeah, insights. And, and, and uh, where I said, oh, that's that's interesting for somebody in logistics. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think you did a you did a great job. I think this is a that's an easy digestible book for for a very wide audience. I would have to say is I, I think there's really a thing in here where somebody would say, oh, I know all of this. This is not the case. Like even experts like you or someone on your counterpart would find valuable insights from this book. But at the same time, someone like me, who knows a lot but isn't as deep into the topics, yeah, you can learn a lot from the book. I think that's a, it's a, no, you did a, did a great job here. Thank so, you very much. Good, good stuff. <laughs> how, how is it being received so far? Uh, any good, any good feedback? Are the sales? Are you what, what, what bestseller list are you on? Are you trending no, in Jam Jamaica uh, yet? It's no, kind of a niche product. <laughs> no, it it won't <clears throat> yeah, make sure. me rich, and and uh, the, the you cannot compare the, the sales numbers or so <laughs> with a I don't know with a a normal book. It's it's a very kind of a niche product, uh, but I hope it gets more popularity, especially in those people. Uh, groups uh, uh, that really need to know about it and that are really affected in the future. Yeah? So yeah. Um, glad that we got the chance to talk to uh, talk about it. Makes a great Christmas present if the supply is there. Hope hopefully, after this podcast episode, there's enough supply that this thing is fall flying off the shelf. Yeah, I hope so too. Wh who knows? Well, we leave. A, well, let's leave a link in the show notes so people can order it. I know it's a. I, I don't know what the price is, but because I, I got it for free, I'm mm. there. Send it to me for free, but it's 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 not cheap. It's not it's there's no Kindle version for five ninety nine. This is actually no, that's a, a little bit expensive book, but it's worth I'm the investment. A little I, bit I sad about that, uh, but uh, this was not my uh, decision on that part. Um, but it's it's not, re not really a cheap book. But um, yeah, whoever is interested, uh, feel free to. Yeah, open. next time for your for your next your next book, then you you do everything differently, self published <laughs> and with ebook and Kindle and podcast version and and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. 
Yeah, we act actually we, we might uh, uh, come up with some follow-on like kind of a kind of booklets uh, that are a little bit cheaper and are only covering uh, um, s smaller sections of the the whole var variety. So that's a possibility. Yeah, interesting stuff. Awesome. So let's as maybe as a wrap up, what's um, what's what's on the horizon on the logistics tribe? What else do you want to cover? We've already hinted at at some interviews and ideas that are out there without giving away too much and without raising expectation because oftentimes you know you you have a plan but yeah. the guest doesn't work yeah. out the topic doesn't work out what 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 else would you like to cover and then before the end of the year maybe? what i would like to cover is um all the technology issues um that i also mentioned in my book because i really believe that's worth talking about it and and um spreading the word on that so um i i'm actually hoping that uh, we will have an episode uh, with a, a big uh, US podcast uh, um, actually uh, on robotics um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that I hope everything works out uh, I have mm -hmm. one great guest planned in the supply chain field mm, actually uh, yeah somebody very well known in that space um, and other than that I'm always looking for interesting conversations be because that's just uh, uh yeah something that yeah. i like to do and um as i said we're recording it and then we are hoping that the logistics tribes uh, uh tribe men members or uh listeners can can benefit from that yeah yeah i was also a couple of things uh squared away and planned but i, I don't want to give it away yet because you never know what happens so i don't want to raise the expectations but there's a lot of stuff around startups uh and and log tech startups and and the hype around that mm -hmm. and the possibilities that are possible for founders as well as for employees so so the pros and cons of 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 um of joining joining a startup i think that's a topic i really want to dive into I mean, I've been in that place. I've 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 worked for log tech startups before they were called log tech startups, um, so I've I know that space very well. And so does Jonah, our new member on board, so to speak, who's already done a couple of episodes and has actually hosted the the most um, popular episode with Jochen Gutschmidt. That was hosted by Jonah. So it wasn't me, it wasn't you, it wasn't Dana. It was um, Jonah who took the crown of the most popular episode so far. Great! Congratulations, <laughs> Jonah, and welcome yeah. to the. The tribe. Welcome to the tribe. Exactly. Well, awesome. Thanks, Marco, for for taking your time. It was great to catch up with you and to give a little bit of an update on what's going on in the world of the logistics tribe and your startup and your book, mm -hmm. all kinds of things. As we said uh, in the in the beginning, we'd love to hear from you. I mean, if you have insights, ideas, feedback on what we've done so far, please let us know. I mean, we. We, I do get a lot of inbound stuff these days from sort of PR agencies, all kinds of stuff. Some of it is great, some of it's not so great, but like send everything our way. I mean, if you have ideas and for guests, if you want to be on, just talk to us. I mean, we're we're, we're open. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I really yeah. would looking forward to uh, to new guest proposals and we, we are trying to get everybody on the show that uh, uh, or in the interview uh, that we... Um, yeah that we can reach out to so uh, if you know somebody that could be interested uh, just let us know yeah yeah awesome well again thanks very much marco good luck with everything good luck on the book and great luck with the startup and let's uh, let's talk soon thank you boris bye bye all right that was the logistics try podcast episode with my partner in crime marco prügelmeier I hope you enjoyed it. If so, please subscribe so you don't miss any of the future episodes. 
If you're a regular listener, please feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. The links are in the show notes. I'm Boris Fergandrea. Until next time.